The following podcast is a W2M Network partnership production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. You are listening to the Jobbers Court Podcast, part of the W2M Network. We're a podcast for wrestling fans old and new. Court is now in session. Hello and welcome again to Jobber's Court, the podcast for wrestling fans old and new. I am Rasquatch, King of Jobber's Court. We're here to bring you roundtable topics uh, like we always do. Uh, joining me are my two compadres, my helpers, my knights, however you want to however you want to put it. I have uh, Cedric, the wise old owl of wrestling and the man of a thousand and four nicknames. Gentlemen, we are going to be talking some topics tonight that uh, cover a little bit more uh, some some of the trending topics, but some opinions and then some things to throw out there historically. You guys ready? I am ready to howk and roll. I said, are you ready? Nothing? Oh, All right. Old Al, are you ready? I am ready. Were you born ready, though? That's the real question. Oh, I was made ready. <laughs> That's none of my business. All right. So, <laughs> so we're going to cover uh, several topics tonight, but the first thing we're going to talk about, part-timers in wrestling. Yeah, we're going to talk about those uh, those glorious people who we see coming back uh, year in, year out, whether you know they're, they're now celebrities, movie stars, or just guys we haven't seen in you know 12 years. Um we're also going to talk about, uh, there was a big announcement that a, a women's match will be the main event for a network special for the first time in history. We're also going to talk about having a, having a huge build for, for someone and it, it, if we think the payoff in today's wrestling is worth it. Cover a little bit about promos, uh, some of our, our favorites, what we like and don't like. We've got an instant classic match of the week, just a bloody one, to cover. And then finally... Uh, we have our fantasy booking for the United States Championship Tournament. So, uh, without further ado, let's start with part-timers in wrestling. Now, I know the topic mainly we're gonna we we're gonna this was brought up because of the resurgence of Goldberg on the last edition of Monday Night Raw. So Goldberg. Goldberg. Ellsworth. Anyway, so, <laughs> uh, so what we want to do today? Yes, <laughs> he's cetrical grown. Anyway, so what, so what I want to do today is um, I want your guys' opinion first on on the coming back of Goldberg, what you think regarding the matches, but then I also want to know what are your guys' thoughts about part timers coming in in general. Um. We'll we'll hit that kind of all in one topic. Cedric, why don't you start us out? Let's uh, talk to us about were you able to see Goldberg's return? What did you think about okay. it? And are you excited about the uh, the upcoming match? You know, I was excited to see him. I, be, I 
when Goldberg first came onto the scene, I was I didn't have a way to watch WCW in Puerto Rico. Cable was way above our budget. And even the area that we lived, we just couldn't get it, point blank. So I got to see him a few times. Uh, I think I saw him once he was like at the peak of his streak. And unfortunately, soon afterwards, he, he lost. So, but the whole aura that they built in WCW around him and what he represented at the time, I, I was I was a big fan of that. It was obviously at that age, I was like an awe to, to see this larger than life character and the way he was just destroying everybody. You know, his run in WWE wasn't the same. They kind of tamed him a lot and then towards the end, they let him loose. So I was happy to see him. I think it's a little bit too late. I, I compared it in one in one of my posts. I compared it to the Pacquiao Mayweather fight, where obviously the you know their their build, their speed, everything was kind of less. Obviously, how long was that fight? Almost like a decade in the making. So I feel like it's kind of for Goldberg. It's a little bit late, but those around him say he's in great shape still. Obviously, then take off his 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 jacket and whatnot, so we don't know. Obviously, you can see the age. You can see he's smaller. But I was excited, excited to see him. You know, not, I'm might be seeing some thunder from from Hulk Standing, but something that always stays in my mind is, is something that Hulk Standing mentioned, which, which is nostalgia. How how nostalgia sells, and I think some of these part timers that come in and just that had a decent career or even a phenomenal career, they show up for just a, a while, for a minute, and it sells, it, it gets us all excited and everything. Now, how long they stay, it, it depends obviously what they're doing on the outside. Like even Chris Jericho, this is, I think this is one of his longest stays with the WWE, even though he still has his, his group, his music group, Fozzy. So it all, it all depends, you know, do, do they deliver do, while they're in the WWE? Are they putting 100% of it or does it make sense storylines? Makes sense. They're reinventing themselves. Are they doing something for the product? If they are, then definitely I'm all for it. But if they don't, if they don't really add much, and all of a sudden they have a title strapped over them that they don't even defend, or you don't even see them around too much, like The Rock, I wasn't too happy about that. So, but when it comes to Goldberg, I'm happy to see him. Hopefully, this match will be much better than the first one. If he really has, if he's really doing this for his son, so his son can see him as the hero Goldberg that he was while he was in wrestling, like he claims a hero, then I think he has even more initiative why to do the best that he can and probably be more careful and put even more emphasis into it. I'm not sure about Brock. I think Brock is gonna definitely look much bigger than he 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 looks today. But hopefully that that reason that he's coming back is enough to give us a much better match. And I think even Brock, Brock is leaps and bounds than he was before, not because he suplexed City so much better, but I think Brock has really bought into that character. So I hope it, I hope it's a good match. I hope it's not something that we'll look back and be like, man, what in the world did we just watch? Because that's the way I felt with the first one. Hmm. Okay. Um, Hawkster, how about you? All right. Well, talking about Goldberg specifically, I honestly wasn't expecting anything more than just the video game 
when initially announced. I had a lot of friends down in Mississippi and Alabama who were huge, huge WCW Goldberg fans. And as soon as they announced him in the video game, like, Goldberg's coming back to WWE. He's going to wrestle again. I'm like, no, no, he's not. No, he's not. And then they announced Paul Heyman really calls him out. And that's the first time I really actually put stock in, oh, shit, Goldberg's Goldberg's going to have one more match. And uh, I, I was a little off-put by it, to be honest with you. Just because the way he, his run ended in WWE, it, uh, it, it, I don't know, just kind of put a sour taste in my mouth comparing that to his, his WCW legacy. Uh, you know, starting off with the 173 win streak, spearing everything that walked, and uh, delivering such a powerful jackhammer. Like, Goldberg was the man back in WCW. Um, and just seeing what they did with him in WWE just really kind of put a sour taste in my mouth. So I really wasn't expecting much in the way of him actually wrestling again. But I'll be honest, after seeing that promo on Monday, I got really hyped. It, it looks like Goldberg and uh, and Mr. Vinny Mac have uh, put a lot of, uh, of their shit behind him. And uh, I'm looking forward to this. I think I think it might be pretty well. Uh, with both Brock and Goldberg being part-timers and not being on the road all the time, I think they they definitely have the potential to do a lot more collaboration on the match. And uh, I think they can put together something really good, albeit it's not going to be the athletic spectacle that it would have been when they had their first match, even though that match probably is going to go down as one of the worst matches in WrestleMania history. Uh, but I think they have the potential to do something very special here. And I'm looking forward to it uh, now more than I was when it originally started being aired out. So, so, so we'll see what happens. Uh, knowing the kind of person that Brock Lesnar is off screen, you know, probably won't actually do much collaboration on it. But, uh, but I think they definitely have time to work through and really, really plan out a good match. Nostalgia, I think, is going to sell uh, for this match, not necessarily the athletic ability. Well, I'll tell you this, no matter what happens, all three parties involved, the WWE, Lesnar, and Goldberg, are going to make a lot of money. Um, oh, yeah. Because that the promo that he gave on Monday, um, he did actually a really, really good job uh, of, of delivering it and, and coming back and you know really looking humble and drawing that emotion. Now, from what I read, um, unlike some of the talent, they just gave him bullet points and sent him out there. Um, and I thought that that's why it came off a lot more genuine, unscripted. You know, um, I, I hope we see more of this in the future because it just goes to show you, you know, what you can do when you just tell a guy, hey, just cover these couple things. Other than that, you know, just do it. Yeah, um, and it's funny too because, I mean, during his, his active period, he wasn't really ever known to be a big talker. No, I mean, granted, true. ever since he left doing a lot of the stuff on YouTube and various TV shows, I think he's developed his ability to speak a lot more naturally. Um, but I think it was hilarious that they kind of bleeped out the, the second half of his walk to the ring. Cause that ovation he got was, oh I, I think gosh. he, I think he was blown away more than anyone else that he was walking out there to such, such a, such a response like he was like hell yeah fuck yeah excuse was, the language he wasn't but yeah he was in tears in in the ring yeah like he had a he had to control himself and that's i always tell my wife i'm like i, I would if if there's one thing that i would have loved to have experienced in in my lifetime is to 
walk into an arena and pe- knowing that people are waiting for you, and it was just amazing. It was just an amazing pop, like AJ Styles type pop that he got, and maybe even more. It was just crazy. Yeah, this was this was uh, Road Warrior esque when they always talk about the the Road Warrior pop. Um, what I, and you know what I found crazy, and people were saying, well, he looked winded just coming to the ring, and I was like, man, I think just that adrenaline was just going. And uh, oh, yeah. I know he's in good shape because he trains Muay Thai like four days a week. And that's probably why he's so much thinner now because he trains MMA as opposed to, you know, pro wrestling like he was. Um, right. Not which, smaller. He's leaner. Yeah. And, and I still think he's probably, I mean, in, in his current state, I, w- I would guess he's probably 255, 260 instead of like oh, 280, eight, two instead of 285 or whatever he used to be. Now, just be after I watched that, it it brought me down memory lane, and so I had to go back and watch the Monday Night Nitro from August of '98, uh, when it was in Rapid City. When I went to go see it when I was when I was younger, and uh, just the the way that the crowds re- reacted to him in in '98, and he wrestled Ming that night, and uh, I remember. Ming previously come out had came out and basically beat down four men in the opening match by himself, and so Ming was looking like a monster. And this is the the young Mark days when I still I understood what wrestling was, but I still was like, dude, that dude's awesome. He just beat up four guys, <laughs> and then Goldberg came out, beat Ming in like four or five minutes, called it a day, and and left. And so I was just like, dude, Goldberg's ridiculous. Like there was just there was nothing else you you could say about it at that time. So um. I was a fan of of what he put out there. Um, I will I will say this in regards to well, we're going to talk about some part time runs here in a second, but in regards to part timers coming out, if it's built in a match like this, where you have a Goldberg versus a Brock Lesnar, it's not for a title, it's not for anything, it's just two guys getting hyped up for a match. I'm perfectly okay with it. In fact, I love this kind of stuff. There used to be a pay-per-view that WCW held, and I think it was Night of Champions or Clash of Champions, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Clash. Clash of Champions. But they used to bring back older wrestlers that were semi-retired, and they would have two or three matches on that card. Like um, the one I watched had Nick Bockwinkle versus Terry uh, Dory Funk Jr. And... That match was significant because those two had never gotten a chance to square off because one was NWA and one was AWA and they weren't allowed to do business. And so this was this was in ninety, I think this was in ninety three or ninety four. I was watching it, but um, I mean they they were long since out of their out of their prime, but they still they went out there and had a had a ten minute Broadway, you know. It was different kind of wrestling, not what you you remember seeing for that that era in the 90s. But from a nostalgia standpoint, if we want to have matches like that, I'm perfectly okay with it. But just pick a network special where you could get, you know, two, three matches booked for that in addition to whatever else is going on and have two or three matches be nostalgia matches. Um, The gimmick Battle Royal comes to mind, too terrible match during during wrestlemania but just the fact that it happened and the the gimmicks and the guys that were in it i just i couldn't look away i just i just liked it that much for its entertainment value so i think there's something to be said about nostalgia and wrestling um 
So just to delve a little deeper into this topic, what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw to you guys a few part-time returns. And I just want you guys to say good or bad and, and why. Okay, Cedric sort of covered on this this already, but um, we're going to try to delve a, a little bit deeper into this. Um, so the big one uh, that, that comes to mind for me, obviously, in recent years is The Rock. So Cedric, I said you didn't care for it. We're going to get into your reason why. But um, I guess we'll start with Hulkster and then we'll let... Uh, Cedric respond when the rock came back to face uh, John Cena and eventually went on to face CM Punk Were you a fan of that that short-term comeback or not? All right, well Anytime that I get to hear if you smell What the hell I mean what the rock is cooking Man, it's it's great. I don't care how how long he's gone. Anytime I get to see The Rock, I think it was. I think it's great, especially with all the promos he does. Uh, this uh, smack or his rock concert going off on uh, on Vicky Guerrero was probably one of the best promos I've seen from The Rock, at least in the last ten mm-hmm. years. Man, like The Rock is always going to have a, a place in WWE or in pro wrestling in general. And it's always going to be great to see them. Uh, I actually was a fan of uh, of the back and forth between John Cena and CM Punk because that was when they brought the the new style of the championship in. And yeah, sure, having a part timer win the championship, you know, we can all have our piece on that and why we like it, don't like it. I was actually a fan of The Rock carrying the new title, and the only reason for that was because of CM Punk still carrying the old belt. And he's like, I want that. Like, I thought that was cool because that instantly brought prestige and instantly brought value to to the new style of championship. I, I like that a lot. Uh, I would have liked to see The Rock stick around a little, little more. And uh, I think that was actually part of the plan uh, originally just because of his injury. I think that's why it got cut short. Yeah. Hey, Hawkster, you're, you're uh, fading away. Are you away from your mic for a second? I'm sorry. Did uh, where did where did you lose me at? No, we we got it all. It just sounded a little bit further away than it does now. Perfect. Oh, okay. Sorry. That's okay. But yeah, that's that's all I got to say about that. What do you think, Cedric? Go ahead and tell me why I'm wrong. No, I I don't think you're wrong, man. I don't think when it comes to opinions, you know, they're well. Let me not say that because I've heard some really crappy opinions and read some pretty bad ones. <laughs> well, so, you know yeah, what opinions they're, they're, are like, right? Everyone's got one. Yeah, that that damn callus that I have in my pinky. Anyway, um, but my thing was that when when he comes back, for example, for example, when he had that year run, I think he was he was in for a year, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. He he gets him having the title and not really doing much with it because he has so many. We knew he had so many commitments, so it could have been a video package or just come in quick and leave. The thing to me is, if you're going to carry the championship, at least be around. I know we've talked about this before when Brock Lesnar did it, and it, it kind of worked for Brock, the whole in and out, because of who he was. It was just like, oh, my gosh, he's gonna, when he shows up, somebody's going to get beat the crap out of them, and then he'll leave again for a few months, then he'll come back. 
So it kind of worked a little bit. But with The Rock, every time he comes back, he brings the same persona with him. People laugh. People enjoy it. But I even had a friend of mine who was a really big fan of his say, you know what? This is so 19-whatever when he first appeared as this rock. He was like, it doesn't mesh too well with this crowd. And it, and it kind of doesn't. It's almost like you're trying to relive something and bring it to this age. And it doesn't, It for me, it was like, I'm enjoying the nostalgia, but it doesn't feel the same like as when I first heard it. That's that's my thing. Like his character needs, he'll always be the rock. So you can't really change that. But for me, it almost felt like old. It was like, okay, there's no new material here. Being champion and not really being around to me that some people say that's prestigious. Others don't feel that way. I'm one of the ones that doesn't feel that it carries too much prestige just to give it him because he's the rock and whatever. But there was a storyline behind it. So, okay, cool. Just showing up for one night, which he did last time, and squash someone that unfortunately keeps getting the short on the stick, even though we all think he should be a star. That's nothing that I, I, I'm not a fan of. You show up just because you're the rock. You rock bottom somebody, people elbow them, beat them in a few minutes, whatever it is, and that and that's it. And then life goes on. And the next next week we're having a storyline where this guy that just got squashed by the rock is supposed to be somebody. That's another reason why I'm not a big fan of his part-time when he it's in-ring performance. If he wants to cut a promo, whatever, that's one thing. If he's promoting a movie or something, but if it's in-ring performance, I would prefer them to stick for him to stick around a little while. Have a few matches, maybe put over a few folks, stuff like that. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. Um, when he came back for WrestleMania and tore apart the Wyatt family, like I feel like that would have been a great spot for him to 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 give a rub to the Wyatts, uh, especially with what they were trying to build at that time. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. Well, I think the funny thing about that is he did on the microphone. Mm-hmm. He definitely put Bray Wyatt over you know, um, on, on the mic, but unfortunately I think you get painted, you, you get painted in a corner and I don't think he booked that. I don't think he went to the back and said, Hey, I just oh, no. want to squash Eric Rowan, you yeah. know, so you have to blame creative. What, what I find interesting is it, it could have been a real easy, like he rolls out of the ring, you know, the Wyatts are still kind of standing there looking menacingly out comes mm-hmm. the social jobbers. He, he, he does in the social jobbers which would make complete sense that's what they're there for and then you leave this open with him and the Wyatts he didn't he didn't squash the Wyatts they can still go on and and still look good going forward and you use the 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 social outcast the way that they were intended to be used so I don't know It, it was it was a lot it was a lot like Stone Cold coming out you know and Shawn Michaels and Mick Foley coming out and beating up the the League of Nations it's just and New Day well, yeah. Um, really, uh, to me, this this is a tough one because I love the I love the Rock as much as the next guy. I'm more of a Stone Cold guy to be honest, but um, still love the Rock. The only my my only thing with it, and and even with that that run in general, is that I just I think that it helped the Rock. I don't think it helped anybody he wrestled. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it elevated John Cena at all. I think it was a good match to promote, but it didn't. It didn't make any sense to me how you you have him beat John because now you've basically said you've basically put into place that the Attitude Era 
was better than whatever this new era is called because they beat they beat the top superstar from that era um and yeah they wrestled again and it was different and you know all all that uh but to me it's it it didn't it didn't do i don't think the the purpose i don't know if it did what they were intending it to do and that's to to try to help out the talent they currently have um yeah and uh yeah just another thing on that when uh when The Rock did beat CM Punk, ending his 434-day reign, longest in the modern era, uh, it, it pretty much killed Punk's career. Like he he never really got any good booking after that. Because Punk and became I think that's a, probably what left him. Punk became a job guy for uh, part-timers. Lesnar. <laughs> well, I mean, you had Lesnar, Undertaker. Uh, I mean, there were. There's a lot of them. So. Speaking of so speaking of that and and talent and elevating talent, the Undertaker coming back wrestling a match at WrestleMania. Your guys' thoughts, yay or nay? You guys still like him? Still like to see him come back and give that one more match at at, at WrestleMania every year? Yes or no? You Cedric. know, sorry, go ahead, Cedric. I say yeah. Let Cedric go. Uh, I still enjoy seeing him. I still get goosebumps for for some reason, even though he doesn't look anywhere near the way he did when he debuted in WWE or when he became the American Badass. He, There's something about seeing him walk slowly and sometimes it looks even slower every time he shows up. But there's something about his character that I'm, I'm okay with seeing him once once a year. Now, my wife, not so much. She doesn't really think that it works out. He shows up once a year, gets his payday, and then leaves. There's something about him that for some reason, I'm okay with that. Now, if he were to just come in, do what The Rock did to CM Punk, somebody who has an incredible record, take the title away from, from that person just to lose it or immediately that to me does that wouldn't make sense even if it was Undertaker. This last match he had with Shane, I was okay with it. So many people complained about it. You knew it was gonna happen, and yet I was okay with it because it was the Undertaker. Didn't make too much sense. Obviously, Shane Undertaker, why? But just seeing him, I'm okay with seeing the Undertaker. Now, the day that he cannot produce, obviously it's not the same as before, but I still like what I saw in in-ring performance. The day that he cannot do that anymore and you really see him struggling in the ring, then it's time to call it quits. I don't care if it is The Undertaker. Because that, I think that was what happened with Ric Flair. At some point, he just way went way past his, his prime. And I would not want to see that with The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. He's not at his peak. He's not at his prime. But he still can give you that nostalgia. He still can get those goosebumps. You know? The day that he can't do that anymore, then it's time for him to truly walk away slowly. Slowly. <laughs> All right, Alexander, Undertaker, your thoughts? You know, I'm I'm right there with Cedric. Like, there's there's just something about him. It's that that aura, that feel, that the, the goosebumps when you hear the the bell toll is just like, oh, it's the Undertaker. You know, like you. I don't I don't care how long you've been a wrestling fan. I don't care how smart you are to the business. The, the day. 
someone doesn't mark out to the undertaker i think that's a day you've died as a wrestling fan and uh when he lost against brock lesnar and the streak ended i was i was okay with with him never showing up again like Mm -hmm. as much as it hurt inside to see that loss like during that match the undertaker was hurting and you could see it during the match and after the match that there was just something inside of him that that broke and uh seeing him come back the next year against wyatt was great seeing him at hell in a cell last this last wrestlemania was great i'm looking forward to seeing him again this year i, I haven't heard anything about it i've seen a couple of pictures he still looks okay still looks like he's in shape i'm looking forward to it, seeing him again i always am and i'm i'm legitimately worried emotionally worried about the day when wrestlemania is on and i don't see the undertaker like that's that's just not wrestlemania you know like how can you have a wrestlemania without the undertaker and i know it's coming soon but like i'm very afraid of that day yeah um i mean i obviously feel the the same way i love i, I love to see undertaker and i haven't seen him wrestle a bad match um, even at at his age, um, his performances are still pretty good. Now, sometimes I'm like, damn, he's pulling out all the stops. He needs to he needs to be careful when he's trying to hit like that leg drop on the apron and stuff. Like, I'm Walk scared. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm scared to death for him. Um, but he has consistently still put out good matches. Um, you know, I I don't think that you'd have to worry that much about potentially seeing an, an Undertaker at at every WrestleMania because. If I'm the company, after Undertaker retires, I have, much like the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal Trophy, I have something um, to to put out there where maybe it's it's some type of Undertaker award where, you know, they 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 have some type of of uh, of match that represents a trophy given to you by the Undertaker or something based on a based on like a mini tournament or something maybe they hold every year, but uh. I don't know. I think you could always work something like that in um, to honor him because the only other person they honor in that way is Andre the Giant. And at this point, Undertaker has had a longer career and I, I dare say may have built up more popularity than, than even Andre has. Maybe not. Maybe not, you know. But I mean, I think in a, a social media world and everything else that we live in, I think I think it's possible. Um, but, all right, so... One last, uh, one last thing. Brock Lesnar's current, uh, I guess, reign as a part timer. Are you a fan of it? Yes or no, Alexander? Well, that's another one too. It's it's Brock Lesnar, man. <laughs> dude, the dude is still a a freak when it comes to athletic ability for his size, and. I don't care if you like pro wrestling or not, you know, you're still going to be interested and your ears are going to perk whenever you hear the name Brock Lesnar, you know? So sure. The company can make money out of him. Use him. I don't care if it's one or two times a year, do it. Like the guy, the guy's money. Uh, Suplex city is fun. Uh, sure. It's only three or four moves, but it's, it's one match out of the year, two matches out of the year, maybe three. If, if they got enough money to give to him, but, uh, Hey, why not? Okay, Cedric. There's, there's something. He, he's another one that when his entrance music starts, you know, 
there's a, there's a tad bit of goosebumps as well. Not not as not like the Undertaker, not as much as I got when I saw um, Goldberg come out from the smoke and he blew the smoke out of his mouth. I freaking uh, yeah, I, I screamed like a like a little girl. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, but um, uh, I'm okay with I'm okay with Brock if the matchup that I'm gonna see makes sense. I was not a fan of the Dean Ambrose. Uh, match that he had that match made no sense to me and I don't I, I can't find too many people that liked it but if he's gonna come back to fight someone where that makes sense them to get together in the ring sure if it's a part-time thing, I don't mind and and the cool thing with him is that with whether the title is still interesting to see but if he if he were to have the title again I would rather see him a little bit longer than just showing up every every so often Especially if you have the title, yeah. But without the title, I'll, I'll you know, if there's somebody is getting that big, and for whatever reason, let's say, because obviously Brock is a heel, but he's like one of those guys that the crowd just loves. So let's just say there's someone like a Miss type or something that you want to squash. I believe it with Brock and I'm not gonna be mad. Not not like the Rock taking away CM Punk's record, like how Stanley said, which I've forgotten about that. And as you mentioned my blood pressure went up. But um <laughs> Brock doing squashing somebody like that, I, I wouldn't mind it. Just come go definitely get to see Paul Heyman talk and shoot. If you don't like Paul Heyman's promos, I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah. My wife just hates when he says Brock Lesnar <laughs> spits everywhere she can't stand it this last time he almost choked i think his voice went out i felt bad for him but anyway um okay yeah i i'm obviously a i'll i'll be a big fan of of, of brock lesnar and i've said it you know a lot of time i think you got to take him out of his comfort zone to really make him have a good match and i hope that the match he does end up having with goldberg is physical enough to kind of bring them both out of their out of their shells from a performance standpoint um I'd be fine if it was just a big power move fest. I'm I'm cool with that. Just don't try to do a freaking strength contest, and then don't just try to run the ropes and throw a shoulder at each other, please. Like, just <laughs> make it make sense. And just I'll tell this to those two: just do a better job than you did the first time. That's all I'll say. No um, shooting star presses. Yeah, don't don't do shooting. I mean, how, the, he I don't think he'll ever pull that move out of his arsenal again. Anyway, I don't think he cares that much anymore. Um. So, all right, so we talked for a pretty good amount of time on this one. So um, we should probably transition over to one of our other topics. So um, obviously another big announcement besides Goldberg was that the women's championship match between Sasha Banks and Charlotte will be going on last. It will be the main event of TLC – or Hell in a Cell, sorry. And it will actually be in the Hell in a Cell. So – a double first. Not only is it the first time you know, we've had a women's main event, but it's also the first time that women have been allowed in the Hell in a Cell. Internet was mixed on this. Um, some were kind of crapping all over it, saying that you're you're saying that your women's title has more prestige than your world title, or you know you know your your universal title, um, where others are obviously static. Where do you guys stand on this discussion, uh, Hawkster? Right time, right wrestlers, wrong match. 
So I have no problem with Charlotte and Sasha main eventing. I think I, I think the amount of talent they have rightly deserves a main event. And nothing against Seth Rollins and KO because those guys are going to be main eventing for years to come. But uh, I'm I'm excited and I'm I'm happy for them. But the Hell in a Cell match, I'm not a fan of having more than one on this show. Like every time I see like two or three Hell in a Cell matches all in one night, it to me it kind of takes away from from the grandiose spectacle that is the Hell in a Cell. You know, it's it's not quite to the level of of gore and violence that the Elimination Chamber was, but it's still right on that level. And you've definitely got the the historical significance of it. Undertaker, Mankind, Undertaker, Triple H, you know, Shawn Michaels, Mankind again. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like you, you've got, you know, speaking of part-timer and Undertaker, you know, you got the Hell in a Cell. It's got history in it. I don't, I don't really know what they're going to do inside of a Hell in a Cell or potentially outside of a Hell in a Cell if they can figure out a way to get out of it. Um, exactly how they're going to, how they're going to pull off this match mm-hmm. to beat or to, to top KO and and Seth Rollins it's, or it's, even Rusev and Roman, you know. Well, well, I can solve that for you right now. When uh, when Charlotte hits a hits a corkscrew moonsault off the top of the Hell in a Cell, then then so it's that would game be interesting. Over. And I will say this: I, I definitely out of everyone in this match, other than KO and Seth Rollins, uh, so okay. I just screwed myself over there, but uh, I think they have potential to do some high flying stuff, and I think that their bodies can definitely take that kind of fall. But I don't know. It's just I just don't know what what all they're gonna do. And you know, I hope they I hope they prove me wrong here. But uh, I called it a while ago uh, that I thought that the women were gonna make, do a main event or do a, spe- a speculate stipulation type match. I was looking more for a TLC match, actually, like you mispronounced at the beginning of this introduction. Yeah, thank, thanks uh, for bringing that up. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was, uh, <laughs> I was actually expecting a TLC or a ladder match. I think that would have been really, really exciting to see what Charlotte and Sasha can do with a ladder. Um, but yeah, I, I hope to be pleasantly surprised. But I, I just don't, I don't, I just don't know. Like, I, I, I just don't know. Okay, um, Cedric, how do you feel about it? I just don't know. I mean, wait a minute. I just, I, I, <laughs> I, I just don't know. <laughs> Thanks for stealing um, my thunder. <laughs> More stealing. Anyway, I lied to you too. I don't. I'm joking. I'm lying right now. Anyway, are you? Uh, let me just steal. Okay, I'm starting. I'm just trying to steal. <laughs> I, I I heard a few of the guys talk about this, um, and I read some stuff online. And it, it got me thinking, you know, if we discussed this topic, like, you know, what are my true feelings? Not just, not just like, hearing other people having an influence, but some of the stuff that I heard was pretty good, and I, I think I feel the same. So, first of all, my, my wife and I were discussing this, she was like, you know, the paper is called Hell in a Cell, but you only have one match in it. And this time we finally have more than one. And she kind of compared it to lockdown. We were talking about lockdown. All matches on the were in in the cage, but yet Stanley brought up a really good point. Even though the K 
Tiberius Coalition Chamber. At one point, you only had one match in it, and then it became two matches when it was for the two different titles. So I, I can see where, where you're coming from, Huxley, with the whole, you know, that, that aura that it has. Now, all of a sudden, you have three in one night. But my, my thing is, with, with the girls or the ladies or the women. Wow. Okay, continue. If, if, the, if the feud would have been longer, you know, and, and, and I heard this from, from Sean, and, and it's a really good point, and I think you guys mentioned that, and I'm, gonna, I'm also going to share it. For anybody who did not see these ladies fighting in NXT, this was like a really quick progression to this match. I would have preferred to see more fights either between them or involve other folks, because I don't just want to see them two fighting all the freaking time. But just have more matches, something that brings so much heat that this is what we have to we have to be in hell in a cell to finish it. Now, it being the pay-per-view, I mean being the last match of the pay-per-view, I'm okay with that to a certain point with this whole women revolution. We know that they've been trying to push more of the women and why not push the title and, and, and give them their spot. It's not like we're talking about WrestleMania. So at some point, I think it was going to happen. It might be a little bit too soon, in my opinion. They're, they're not at their peak um, as a division or even them two as the few that they're having on the main roster. To me, it might be a little bit too soon, but it was going to happen eventually. We've had pay-per-views or network specials where the title was not defended. And I know some people hate it, some people like it. It it all depends what side of the of the fence you're on in, in the on the opinion. The universal title is still a new title. So if somebody's saying this title is more prestigious than, than that one, I still don't know how, how to feel with the with the universal title as it is. Because to me, the world title still should be the one. That, that represents the whole company, but that's no here nor there. Give them a shot. Let's see what happens to see what the reaction is, ratings, whatever, and then go from there, see if it was a success or not. But I don't think it's going to be the norm. You know what I mean? I don't think we're going to start seeing the, the ladies' main event every pay-per-view, but eventually it's going to happen. And I guess why not them two? You know, it would have been different. It would have been Bailey and Emma. Or someone else yeah. that's not Sasha Charlotte, or even Becky Lynch. Like right now, like a Becky Lynch versus Alexa Bliss main eventing a, a network special for SmackDown. That wouldn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. They're not to that point. So I'm I'm assuming WWE is just you know cashing in on how much people have backed these two two women. So it was gonna happen eventually. Why not? on a non-WrestleMania type network special. Yeah, okay. If I could jump in real quick, yep. uh, talking about the buildup and the, the story going into this match, I, I agree with you uh, to a to a point, Cedric, um, as far as them kind of not really selling the full story. Because, yeah, if you haven't watched any of NXT – then you're missing a majority of, of this feud that's been going on for almost three years now. Um, 
and I, I think WWE has, has kind of missed out on on telling more of that story. Because like when they did the the interviews with Lita, really all they talked about was just how does it feel to be in the main event and how does it feel to be in the Hell in a Cell. And you got Sasha who's like really ecstatic and overselling, and you got Charlotte who's like meh. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat her ass, and you know, I'm just, I'm just better. It's kind of just being careless or whatever. I, th- I think they should bring, bring up part of their NXT run where, where Charlotte was the champion, and Sasha was the one that ended up dethroning her after some of their excellent matches, and bring up the the triple threat they had with Becky Lynch, where Becky was under uh, Sasha's tutelage. And ended up trying to surpass her and take the title herself, and where Sasha ended up winning altogether. I, I think if you bring some of that story into this and kind of do like a rehash of the past, and kind of get get into Charlotte's head, well, Sasha beat you for the title in NXT. She was the only person that's beat you for the title here on on Raw. Like, are you sure you're not worried about her finally beating you? You know, I think they should bring some of that in. It might make it a little bit more intriguing for the fans. It, it's going to be kind of weird, you know, after this match. Like, what else do you give them? You know, it's it's hell in a cell. It sounds like one of those, you know, this is a, to end this feud type of match. And right now on Raw, they are the two ladies that I'm pretty sure people want to watch wrestle. Uh, outside of the other ones, I'm not, you know, so... They, they they have to give you a reason why to watch it, not just because oh we're, we're groundbreaking or whatnot is the first time ever or we're cashing in on the popularity that they them still have. Like give the regular person a reason why to say, hey, it makes sense that they're gonna fight, not just because it's the first time ever or it's historical. But it'll be interesting if they were gonna try, like I said, they pick two two of the best right now. Not all all time, but two of the best right now to do it. It wasn't Becky Lynch versus, um, like I said, Alexa Bliss or, or All Red or whatever color she is now. <laughs> well, um, so for me, uh, I'm I'm excited that you know they're they're gonna be on they're gonna be on last. Uh, so a few things just to talk about some of the topics you just talked about. I want my Hell in a Cell Network special to be every match in Hell in a Cell. That's just me though. Um, now, okay, if it was every single match, that would be awesome because you know it's built as hell in a cell. So mm-hmm. if every single match was in there, I think that I think yeah. that would be awesome. And but I, just and to have a, a couple and, yeah. and then a couple not. Yeah, 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 It was just like when Extreme Rules first started. Like every match that night was Extreme Rules. Yes, yeah. see, um, that's that's what a gimmick pay per view named after the gimmick should be, in my opinion. Now on the the flip end of that though, you have the Royal Rumble, right? Now, that's one where, you know, you can't have multiple Royal Rumbles. Um, although I do think it'd be cool to have, like, two 20-man Rumbles and one be a Raw Rumble and one be a SmackDown Rumble, but whatever. Um, yeah, that would be kind of neat. In a women's Royal Rumble, have both of them in there. <laughs> but there's only, like, 12 or 13 of them. But same thing with Survivor Series. Survivor Series had gone so downhill, in my opinion, because they'd only have one actual Survivor Series rules match. Um, I miss the days where Survivor Series was literally the entire pay-per-view was mm-hmm. just Survivor Series matches. There were no titles to defend. There were no nothing, but you would get 
captains and leaders and combinations of teams that you would never get to see otherwise. Um, war games. Yeah, and then war games is another one. Now, so, now war games was only one match though, one or two matches I think in war games. The whole pay per view wasn't war games. Um, but you got both rings set up there and they're yeah. alternating each ring throughout the match, mm-hmm. and the fans are just sitting there like, "What are they going to do with two rings?" Oh, and I, and I mean, I love, <laughs> I love war games. Don't get me wrong. I'm just it, if. When it comes to the, these type of pay-per-views, obviously that's why sometimes Money in the Bank is a weird one for me. I don't understand why you have it as its own network special because there's only going to be one or maybe two Money in the Bank matches. Um, and then his Money in the Bank, I thought, was a perfect thing for WrestleMania. Uh, made a lot of sense when it was, but whatever. That We're not here to talk about that, I guess. I just uh, When it comes to women in general, um, I think that the, the match, it'll suit them. I'm just not sure how much, I guess, hardcore stuff that they're going to work. I'm I'm not sure how okay they are with that as a company with it at this moment. Um, you know, what if one of the ladies takes a kendo stick or something to the head and, and gets busted open while they're in there? Like, what are they going to do? Um, just th- those type of things. Uh, I watched a, a Monday Night Raw from – I know it was a, it was a pay-per-view – back from the Attitude Era and, like, Luna Vachon and Ivory beat the hell out of each other, you know? I mean, and that was hardcore backstage brawl type stuff. So it's not like there's not a precedent for women doing that. It just hasn't happened in a long, long time. And so I don't know how much they're going to actually let them un- unleash in, in this match. And then you're going to be have, having sat through two additional Hell in a Cells, which Roman usually produces pretty well uh in in these hell in a cell so i have a feeling him and bruce's will have a hell of a match and obviously ko and seth rollins and then you'll have this one so good stuff to look forward to um but when i look at the feuds i don't think there's a better one on raw right now than the women's feud um i don't know what your guys's opinion is on or how you feel about it but Personally, I don't think that there's a better one on that show right now. So why not let them go last? Agreed. All right. I, I heard something. I was say, go ahead. I was say. I, I, heard, I heard something that somebody said, and it made a lot of sense. Or like, if the people want to watch it, you know, it doesn't matter if it's for the title or not. Let it happen. Yeah. And if this is the match that folks want to see, then. You know, so be it. Why not? And if anything, being the first time is almost, I hate to say it, like an experiment. You know, see how they react. What, you know, I, I would say if they if they don't do well, I don't think right now there's any other two females in that company that will be able to do better, you know? Yeah. So just see how it happens. And, and, and again, it's not WrestleMania. If it would have been like, let's try this on WrestleMania type thing, that would have been a big risk so try it now see how it works if it ever works you know that the other ladies gotta step up their game if these two can pull it off definitely all the other ladies in in whatever um nxt smackdown raw whatever it is they have to then really pick up their game because more is going to be expected from the women's division you know yeah um I also don't know if it's a if it's a hint or just something that other people might not have noticed, but uh, in WWE uh, WWE 2K16, um, you could not have a women's wrestler 
versus a men's wrestler. If you selected a men's wrestler, grayed out all the women wrestlers, you, you couldn't select them to wrestle. In 2K17, the men and the women can, can wrestle each other. There is no um, breaking of that. So a, a woman wrestler in the ring can uh, can get in there with, with a male wrestler um, on any of the matches. So I don't know if that's just a, a hint at, at something, but it does seem like a purposeful thing that they did to to push this forward. So I think that they, I think that they're impressed with their women's division. And I think it's one of the best women's divisions, obviously that we've seen since I would say personally, since the like early nineties. Um, but, uh, I just want to be in the Royal Rumble. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. You All know, right. that, that brings up a good point. Uh, how would you guys feel about more intergender matches, especially when it comes to, to championship rankings, kind of like how they got in the in Lucha Underground, where uh, Sexy Star is the uh, the new Gift of the Gods champion, where she can challenge for the for the main title over there. I think it, me personally, and I, I don't know Cedric, you might know more about Lucha than I do, but in a Lucha style, I think it works a little better because they're similar in size. I think it's a heck of a lot harder when. You would have, say, a Sasha Banks, or, or actually, I'll use Alexa Bliss as, as the example because she's what four foot ten. Um, so if, if you have an Alexa Bliss and she's trying to compete with any person on on the men's roster, even if it's say it's who's a job guy like Curtis Axel, right? How are you going to make it believable with a guy six four? I think Curtis is six four, probably like two fifteen, two twenty five, whatever. And then you have Alexa Bliss that's like 100 pounds soaking wet and and four foot ten. I think it's very hard to tell a story. And then also it could turn off some of your fan base um, who who don't want to see women get beat up, basically. Um, the ability not a star. Yeah. So um, to I me, mean, I, be a star, not a bully. <laughs> I, 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 I knew what you meant. I mean what you know. So. Um, but I think that, uh, I think that that's part of the problem. But to me, when it, when it comes to like Lucha Underground, you can do that because I think they're, they're a lot more similar in size. Cause I know when I saw Cage wrestling, uh, oh, what's her name that comes out there with Johnny Mundo? Um, anyway, when, when I saw Cage wrestling her, I was like, oh wow. And then it, you couldn't, you couldn't turn that into a believable match or a believable angle. I just, it just wouldn't work that way. Yeah, I, I definitely th- I don't know about so much the size, but I definitely agree with you on the on the lucha style being more acceptable. Because uh, yeah, that that match specifically, I, I remember watching and kind of cringing a few times. But uh, the match with Sexy Star and Mil Muertes uh, at the beginning of season two, mm-hmm. of Lucha Underground was was pretty phenomenal. Even though you know she lost and. At the very end, right before uh, Prince Puma comes and makes a save, like I'm very worried. Like, oh crap, she's she's gonna get her face broken. Uh, up until that point, it was a very entertaining match. So, like, it can be done. Uh, I mean, just look at Lita and everything she did in her career. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I understand as far as the the style. I think Lucha definitely does favor that a little bit more. What do you think, Cedric? Sorry, man. You say Lita and everything she did. My bad. Oh no! Are you talking about Edge <laughs> <laughs> and and Hardy and whatever? Anyway, yeah, um, but with Edge, it was on Monday Night Raw. It's true. It got Raw right. Yeah, Raw. <laughs> All right, I'm anyway. done thinking about it. Continue. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't want. I don't want to watch it. Not on. Not on WWE. That's just me. That's just my opinion. I've seen it before on AAA. I've seen it on CMLL. I've seen it even in Puerto Rico. In when they have it, I think you're right. Maybe the lucha style just makes it work. Maybe even knowing the little bit of history and story behind the culture and stuff like that, the thoughts about it, you know, like this whole women's revolution that just started now, like, I, you know, we've seen, I've seen in different federations, you know, women fighting for it, it the mixed, tag, mixed titles or, or whatnot. So I just don't, I just don't see it selling in the WWE. The WWE has done so much to do this PG era and to just start going away from it and, and to have a man face a woman, I just, to me, it's not going to work. A lot of these females right now are very small in, in, in size and in weight and everything. And like you said, um, Rasquash, if they want to fight a bigger person, imagine a Batista, a Brock Lesnar, uh, someone of that caliber just wouldn't look real. Them Wyatt. taking uh, Hura Karana for one of the ladies or a, a, a Sunset Flip or monkey flip to the extent, you know. And for some reason, it works in the in the lucha. The lucha style just works. And, and it's not believable, but you see the choreography, and it actually works when it's happening. But I just, I cannot see it in in the WWE. People complain when a small cruiserweight faces a, a bigger super heavyweight. Now you're going to have a, a woman that might be even smaller than your cruiserweight fighting one of your bigger heavyweights and beating them. I just don't see it. Just keep keep it as is, in my opinion. Yeah, no, no point with experiment. I'm I'm right there with you on on that. I uh, I just to me it's just it's just a tough one because I don't I think that it's kind of like you know it, when when I was in when I was in wrestling and you'd have the guys in the lighter divisions and they they might have to wrestle a, a girl. It was always one of those situations where it was you know, kind of a lose-lose situation because, you know, you you didn't want to, you know, if you lost to them, then obviously they, you, you'd get ridiculed. If you beat them, you would get ridiculed for beating them. So, I don't know. It was just one of those, it was, it was one of those things to me where you just, you couldn't, couldn't really win. And in, in pro wrestling, I think there's a, there's a time and a place for it. And I, I just, you know, I, I think that if, if anybody, was able to do it. China was, and I thought she was fairly successful, but she was also, you know, nearly 200 pounds. She wasn't, you know, 125, 130 pounds. Um, but all right. I think we were able to cover everything for this, this women's main event and our, uh, our thoughts on that. Anybody got anything else they want to talk about before we switch over? Yeah, I got one more little thing backing away from the, from the intergender matches, but sticking with women's wrestling, WWE's coined the the women's revolution title or moniker, if you will. Um, but a couple of days ago, uh, I watched a a video with uh, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Adam Cole just doing like an hour long quick fire Q and A. And one of the questions that was brought up was a women's division in New Japan. Now, I know New Japan is very high on tradition, and they've always been known as strictly male competitors in NJPW. 
But uh, how would you guys feel about women having their own division within NJPW, or should it just stay their own promotion in Japan? Man, I'll I'll start because I know the least about it. Um, I don't think I would be I don't think I'd be a big fan of it. Uh, I think you have to be able to work uh, a very you have to be able to work a completely different style, a more shoot style, in in that particular company, and I think that it would get it would get borderline awkward um having um now if you're just talking about maybe having just just a straight women's division i don't know i mean they they're used but i in in the history of all of those companies they they haven't done it should they uh boy i i don't know me personally i think that they have they have so much stuff going on and they've got so much talent as it is within that company i don't think a women's division would add anything and I don't know if women's wrestling in general worldwide is as big as it was in the mid-80s to early 90s, and they didn't have a division then. So if they didn't want a division then, I don't see why they would want a division now. Cedric? I was just, I was looking up to see, you know, what, what they've had, I, I just found something like All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling. I guess it was a a company from Japan at, yeah, at one point. But it's a separate, yeah, it was, it was a separate entity. Um, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of people get it confused thinking that it was part of All Japan, um, yeah. but it wasn't. It was its own separate, they just call it All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, listen, be be yourself don't be a follower you know what i'm saying if this has worked for you this whole time the the poor wrestle style that new japan has obviously the 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 female um federation that we just mentioned all japan you know they they have the same style now i don't think they need it you know they they've built on this tradition this is what they this is what they are this is what has worked just leave that this i don't think they need to have a, a women's division there to add to it, just keep it as is. That's that's the good thing about having options. You know, you watch what you want to watch, and there's no need to emulate or get with the times or whatnot. Just leave it as is. That's just my opinion. What's your thoughts then, since you brought it up? Uh, honestly, I'm I'm indifferent to be honest with you. Uh, I think New Japan, they're they're so rich in their history that in just the country of Japan itself is so based on tradition. And since that company has been around for so long, yeah, they may be the top company, uh, second in the world, only to WWE. Um, but what's working for them, I think is working just fine. Uh, if, if they did, I think that'd be cool. But like you said, I don't think it would really bring anything truly new because they already have their all women's promotion in Japan um, and like Cedric said, you know, the, you, you're going to watch what you want to watch. There's, there's availability for any type of wrestling that you want to watch, whether it's women's or whether it's over the top, crazy athletics like PWG or just really stupid, bizarre humor like Chikara, you know, there, there, there's something out there for every, everybody. And in the age that we have with social media and just technology in general, like it, it's easy to find this stuff, and it's easy to get over and make money now as a pro wrestler, probably than it's ever been. So, 
I'm indifferent if they do cool, but yeah, like you said, I don't think it really bring much in the way of a fan base. All right, cool. So, um, based on the time we're sitting at, uh, I think the best thing to do is let's, uh, would you guys rather cover, um, doing a huge build for someone prior to their debut or would you guys rather cover promos? Cause we're probably not going to have enough time to cover both. I think we can save promos for, uh, for another. All right. Yeah. So then that brings us to builds and, uh, wrestlers so what i want to do is kind of going to cover some some classic ones some ones that happened in, in the past and 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 how it kind of went over versus sort of how they do things today um for me what one that comes to mind was um mankind leading up to his debut you'd have the weird promos in the boiler room and he'd have the rat and he was rocking back and forth and you know, they would just say, you know, three weeks, two weeks, one week, whatever it was. But he had just a little little spot in each show where he they, they had a vignette of some kind. Um, flash forward to today, um, and you have Kurt Hawkins, right, who's got a, a few one-liners and sort of these vignettes to kind of set up who he is, and it talks about him debuting. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on on a build-up prior to a talent doing, say, a month or two ahead of time, sort of advertising for this particular wrestler, um, do you think that it might build up an expectation uh, that someone can't live up to? Or do you think that it's good to get the characters out there so that the um, the fans and that can at least see a basic outlay of their characters? How do you guys feel about it, Cedric? I think it depends on, on, on the wrestler, man, to be honest with you. Um, let's let's say I'm just going to throw this out. You know, Sting, for example, even an older version of Sting, just to see anything that was giving you a hint that he might return in a WWE ring, that was just amazing, the little setup with him, you know. And uh, man, I, just had, I just had a a name in my mind that just came and went. So let me go, instead of mentioning somebody who it worked for, Darren Young, how many weeks were they doing this whole build-up, make yeah. their Young great again? Where is he? Did it even work? People were like, really? You guys are thinking Darren Young to give a true push? Uh, what happened? Not him, Bob Beck, no Titus O'Neil are really relevant. And I thought they were gonna to try to do something with them, and it just kind of fell to the to the side. I think what happened was they had one of the worst matches of the year, in potentially one of the worst so, feuds of the year. So you're you're building a guy that really, all in all, it's not like people were so interested in him in the first place. So um, for weeks we had this build. I, I, actually, I wasn't. I I I actually was um not so much from the build, but the first match I watched him wrestle after this whole gimmick change and they pushed it and I really liked his style that, that he had changed and that he was bringing out. Um, but honestly, I blame, I blame Titus O'Neil for this, this whole thing because his mic, his mic work at that time was atrocious. It was just terrible. Um, and his heel turn hasn't really been working out for him all, all that well either, but continue. Well, that's well, I, I blame those that led them to, to this because you have to know, 
how bad Titus is on the mic. He's terrible. I'm sorry, Titus. It's horrible. Even in the commercials. But um, so for me, that that's one example that I have there. I, mean, I, I don't really think it worked. And unfortunately, there's always those uh, unforeseen injuries. Shelton Benjamin. When I when I saw Shelton Benjamin was coming back, I was yeah. super hyped just to find out that the next week he got hurt. Well, here, so, let, let, let's, <laughs> let's go one step further on this because you talked about Sting, and I think that's a nostalgia thing. What about a new talent that we haven't seen yet that's going to be making their debut, and they have vignettes that are leading up into it? Who is the last talent that you can think of that they put some vignettes out there that it was successful for? Well, I can't think of one either. That, that, I mean, I I would have to go yeah. back, like way back. Bray probably. Wyatt. Yeah, and I think I think the Wyatts yeah. in general had a pretty good. And I, I think because I'm trying to take the NXT audience out of this completely. If they're not, if, if they if they weren't an NXT audience, and you're you're watching a mainstream product like Raw and SmackDown, and they've got this build up for for a character that that's coming on the TV, um. And you're using using vignettes to do it. Uh, I just it, yeah. I think it's so hard to be su- successful nowadays. But do you guys have any good examples think, in, in I, recent memory? I think recent it's recent, but I think somebody who played off really well off of it. And if you've never had seen him in WCW, it worked for him. I think Y two J when they hit the whole oh yeah yeah break the walls and and he and he's done it twice. He's had like two. Comments, you want to call it that, where they're building them with like cryptic messages, not even sure. things that they say, like save us, uh-huh. stuff like that. I, I think it worked for him. Yeah, both of his were but great. Both honest, of, yeah. I don't remember any one wrestler like I've never seen them before, and I never followed them in another company, and then all of a sudden they did the huge debut, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, but, I'm so see, happy that we're building these guys up. It used to be a norm to get those vignettes out there. Like I still remember, and granted, this was this was after Mr. Perfect was already kind of popular. But I remember the Mr. Perfect vignettes, and he'd have yeah. the different sports he's yeah. playing every week, right? And to me, that that helped build his character. Um, I mentioned Mankind because I remember his coming in, and those were always super creepy. And I was like, man, who is this guy? And I didn't, I didn't even know who Mick Foley was. I had no idea who Cactus Shack was at the time. I didn't watch WCW at all, so um, and then uh, I can remember uh, the Headbangers. I remember they had the stuff where they would just be like showing mosh pits and stuff, and then they're like, "Oh, the Headbangers, who, who are these guys?" You know, but they used to have vignettes as sort of a, a lead into to a character. And I saw recently for NXT anyway, they were doing uh, that lead in for uh, Eric Young, right? The Sanity. Yeah, sanity. Thank you. Sanity. So, to me, I think that it's a. Uh, I, th- I think it's one of those one of those things to where it's it's kind of a lost art. Um, the these buildups uh, prior to to debuting. Um, overall, though, would you guys say you're a fan of it or not a fan of it? Well, I'm definitely a fan just because of the art itself that goes into it. Uh, and yeah, it, it builds up an expectation for the wrestler. Uh, but in recent memory, 
it, the booking that comes immediately after the debut has just been so god awful. It like you're setting them up for success only to let them fall flat on their face as soon as they walk through the threshold across the threshold you know uh, yeah. one of the best examples of this uh to me is adam rose and now i understand you know he he kind of dug his own grave there but uh in nxt the rosebud and the uh the adam rose express or i forgot completely what it was called the party time all the time that was such a great act in nxt and that got over so well and when you have his those vignettes coming into raw or coming into the main roster and as soon as he debuts they pretty much just made him a joke they didn't really have that seriousness that he actually had as a character in nxt and you know you, you build so much time to put effort into a character it gets over organically and then you make all these small little tweaks to it when they get to the main roster that like, how, how can you expect it to success to be a success when you've taken away all the key aspects of it once they finally debut? Um, now, again, you know, he, he dug his own grave with some of his personal choices off, off screen, but, uh, but yeah, like shortly after he debuted, they just turned him into the jobber. I think that he could have had a very successful mid card career, uh, with 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 what he was given, if they had let him just roll with it, you know. Same with uh, the new day. Uh, when uh, when they first teased them getting together, you're like, oh man, like what's this gonna be? This is gonna be awesome. And they come out as the heel, super positive new day, and it was just crap. Like, really? Like that's what you're gonna do with it? I mean, thank God they they were given some creative freedom to turn it around and do and make gold out of it. But, uh, yeah, it's all about the booking and letting them run with it, you know, like let them do their thing. Don't change what makes them get over on their own, you know? Yeah, I, uh, I definitely can see, you know, both, both sides of, of this. I think if you're coming from the perspective of, ah, uh, those things don't, don't really help you or, they do. I know Kofi Kingston talked about the ones that they they were putting out for him um, as he was getting ready to debut, and he was like, "Those vignettes were terrible." Um, and he he always talks about how much he hated them, and uh, and so to me it was always just uh, it, it's something that if it's done done right, I think obviously it like anything else, it's it's going to go over well. But I do think, in in my opinion, it puts a it puts an expectation on a on a worker. I think that if you're going to get a vignette like that, I honestly think you should be an upper mid card or main event guy. Um, because otherwise, what's the point? If they if they do take time and they do these vignettes or whatever, and you're going to be losing in two weeks, then you just sort of wasted your time. Um, one topic we'll we'll have to cover someday is uh, what's wrong with being a mid card talent? You know. I think that some people look Nothing at it. At uh, yeah, I think I think some people look at it as like, uh, you know, if we're talking about these things, whether they're successful or not. I think some people they don't see a career as being a successful one until you're up in that that upper echelon of of the company. Um, and I think being a mid card wrestler nowadays, you're looked at as just a a glorified jobber. But um, one one turn I was going to talk about so where a vignette might have been useful is uh, with Braun Strowman. Um, 
because we see him with Bray Wyatt and in this pseudo brainwash weird family. And then right after the draft, we see him and he just comes out and he's a monster, just changes his look a little bit in his music, whatever. But there's no explanation whatsoever about how he got away, you know, kind of a, away from Bray Wyatt's influence or to, to cut ties with them or so. I just think from a storytelling perspective, they, they dropped the ball a little bit on uh, on him especially, and, and I don't think that they, they got to point A to point B very, very well. But uh, Agreed. What do you, what else do you guys have on, on builds for, for new talent coming in? Well, I think we all uh, already mentioned it briefly, but uh, the Y2J when he first crossed over from WCW to WWE – I mean, that was that was pure gold, and uh, that's that's the best way to set somebody up who's talented, someone who has experience, someone who's been a success and gotten over in multiple promotions. Uh, that that that's that's the way to do it. Like you want to know how to set somebody up for success immediately, give them vignettes like that, and then when they debut, have them go right at your top guy. You know. Right after he did that, I mean, he didn't actually fight for the title. He never—I don't think he actually fought The Rock, but uh, but he debuted and went toe to toe verbally with him mm-hmm. and matched him step for step. So if the guy's got the talent, let him do it. And it doesn't have to always lead to a, a match, you know. But you can still let him be successful. Yeah, I think um, on on the flip side of that, I think of the Outsiders where when they came into WCW and there was nothing, no buildup, no vignettes, nothing. It was just surprises or like Lex Luger coming right in on the first episode of Nitro. It just, it seemed to me like surprise debuts seemed to get over better than, or even Santino Morella, um, the, the surprise debuts seemed to get over better than a longer drawn out, as we wait for this person to debut. To defend, defend that. Who have the guts as well before he came out? What's that? They didn't defend. also had those kind of videos before he even showed up. Yeah, Fandango and did. That, like the, the building <laughs> super dancer that wrestled as well. Yeah, and then the, the several matches. Like pretty much they did with Fandango, kind of what they're doing with uh, – with Kurt Hawkins right now, you know, yeah. uh, building them up, but not actually having the matches. Um, and granted, you know, Fandango went on to beat Chris Jericho of all people at WrestleMania. See, so, uh, I, I, I honestly think they took, uh, they, they took Eva Marie's character when she got suspended and they transferred it to Kurt Hawkins because <laughs> when, when he comes out, it's the same announcer guy that does the stuff for Eva Marie and then he keeps trying to get out there, but then never debuts. So I'm like, did they just role reversal this because she got suspended? Did they just decide to give Kurt Hawkins like her gimmick? Um, all right. Do you do you watch What Culture Pro Wrestling on YouTube at all? No, I don't. All right. So on what WhatCulture.com or What Culture Wrestling on YouTube, uh, after every Monday Night Raw and Monday and uh, Tuesday Night SmackDown. They have the WTF moments or uh, of the week, and uh, it's got this character who's King Ross, and he ta- he counts up all the all the WTF like what the hell and just wacky bizarre moments from Raw and SmackDown, and one of his points was, I think Kurt Hawk or I think Eva Marie 
had a sex change and became Kurt Hawkins. <laughs> it's funny because, yeah, it, it, it surely seemed that way to me from a gimmick perspective. Like, that's what they're going for. So that makes me wonder, like, do they sit around and creative and go, you know what, we have to have some turd that cuts these promos and says all these things and then comes out to the ring and then just decides to leave before they wrestle. Like, we have to have that niche filled. So we're just going to give it to this guy until Eve Marie gets back. I don't I don't know what they're doing. I just know it's bad for Kurt Hawkins, and he's not going to get a push out of this. He's not going to get anything good out of this. In fact, I think all it's doing is just burying him. But yeah, I'm waiting for uh, for Kurt Hawkins to be featured to, uh, ever to join up. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, before that happens, he's going to team up with Curtis Axel, and uh, I can't remember what the life of me what his name is. Uh, but they signed him to Raw. He was a member of Three Man Band. Um, uh, as blow, it's hurting me that I can't think of his name. But you know, they made this big deal out of his getting signed when he beat Heath Slater, and I haven't seen him since. Oh, so, Jinder <laughs> Mahal. Jinder Mahal. There you go. Yeah. So I'm waiting for them to to form the new Three Man Band before uh, they get Future Endeavored. Uh, I I don't know, but uh, I think that if 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 Curtis Axel and him started a tag team, it would be it would be up there on one of the uh, one of the worst tag teams maybe in history. Yeah, and it's a shame too because those guys are talented. You know, oh they, sure, yeah, they absolutely. can put on great matches. It's just booking, man. Like it's okay to be a mid card guy, and, it, and honestly, it's okay to be a jobber too. They make good money. Hell, I wish I could be a jobber for WWE. That'd be ask, fantastic. Ask uh, James Ellsworth how he's feeling right now selling the, the most T-shirts of anybody in the company right now. Hey, when you can deliver a super kick the way he delivered that freaking like super kick party super kick to, yeah, the, uh, to the, AJ Styles, you mean, you mean, I don't you mean, care. You mean the no chin music? Yeah, the, the no sweet chin music. Yeah, man. Like that that one spot in just legitimized everything about James Ellsworth. In my mind, no, I mean, I, <laughs> I just on. pissed off Cedric. Go ahead, it's go ahead. Feed me more. Look, they they should have had him. They should have Steve Lombardi come out of retirement as the Brooklyn Brawler to take on James Ellsworth to determine who is truly the best jobber of all time. Well, if you're gonna do that, you gotta have Al Snow be the guest referee. Okay, I I could agree with that. Um, all Job the squad. I, I will say that at least Al Snow, uh, at least Al Snow won, you know, a title here or there. These guys, you know, neither of those guys did. Jack, oh. what's that? Looks jacked. What does everybody want? Bigger, oh, he does. He does look jacked right now. What does everybody want? Steroids. That's what everybody wants right now. Yeah. <laughs> I say Al Snow may be one of the most bitter former wrestlers I, I know of, but the dude has a lot of knowledge about the business. Oh yeah. Well, I think I think everybody, you know, you could say that about any career. You get you get old and crusty and just done. But you you are full of knowledge, but you you are old and crusty. So, yeah. all right. So we covered our main topics and we're close to an hour and a half. So we should probably cover our instant classic match of the week and then end this show with our. Uh, fantasy booking tournament for the United States Championship. So, um, Hawkster, since it was your turn this week, why don't you lay out the, the match you picked for us? All right. So, going to Super Clash 3, Jerry Lawler 
versus Carrie Von Erich. And uh, going into this match, if you haven't seen this match or don't know any of the, the history behind it, uh, either right before or right after, it sounds great on paper. And uh, and honestly, this was this was a pretty entertaining match. Um, but the reason I picked this match honestly wasn't for the the entertainment or for the match rating itself. I cl- I, I chose this match just to to bring about some history for uh, for our listeners out there. Going into this match, this was probably the the most true when it comes to stipulations, like most real-world stipulations. This was a title unification match between the WCCW champion, Kerry Von Erich, and the AWA champion, Jerry Lawler. And when I say a title unification, I don't mean two titles within the same promotion. I mean two separate promotions legitimately putting their titles on the line. And uh, and say what you will about some of the, the booking and the... Uh, the politicking going on backstage that uh, went into this event. Cause honestly it, you read about it. Super clash three was probably the death of AWA and WCCW uh, going forward afterwards. But uh, history was made during this match and that's why I chose it for our, uh, our instant classic match of the week. Awesome. Yeah. History lesson for sure. It's always, always good to hear that. Why? Why, uh, in general, before we get too much in the match, why in general did do people believe it was the end of the uh, the two companies? Well, the biggest thing is uh, the way this match ends, and we'll get into that. But the way this match ends, it, it was basically the Montreal screw job before the Montreal screw job. Now, it was it was already known beforehand how it was going to end, like coming from a booking standpoint. Yeah. Uh, it's just that. Uh, the way it ended, Vern Gagne was uh, was the head of AWA at the time. And the way that they had this match end and the way that they kind of did wrong by WCCW and how they went about it at the end, it, Vern Gagne lost so much respect from other bookers. And uh, this was also right about the same time that Vinnie Mac, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, was buying up wrestlers. And this, this event in general pretty much gave fans a reason to not buy into the territories and start buying into uh, WWF or the WWWF at the time. All right, cool. Well, um, Cedric, why don't you go ahead and start us out at your, uh, your opinions of the match, how you, what what you feel like watching it, just your overall thoughts and opinions. Well, when Hulkster put this on, on our, on our instant messenger um, room, and he mentioned how this was the the one that killed this company. I, I had to look it up even before I watched the match. Actually, no, I'm lying. I started watching the match, and I really did not know what I was getting into. And when I saw title versus title to to crown one undisputed, I, I got goosebumps. Like I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, for the longest time, I've been talking about companies should have done this, and this was actually being done. I knew that one champion could venture into another territory with the title and fight, and but I had never really, I haven't had never really studied or, or seen it. So I start watching the match. I, first of all, holy crap, Von Erich for one second I think I said <laughs> too long. His physique, guy was built like 
what he he claimed that only one tower of pizza is only one this one Eiffel Tower, but there's only, only one, one Mona Lisa, only one leaning tower of pizza, and I'm it. Yeah, it, <laughs> guy was jacked, like seriously, you know, Al Snow, whatever steroids. This guy was freaking. I don't know what he was on, but I, I need well, I need lots to drink of stuff, some of that. That's because, neither here nor there. I need I need to drink some of that yak milk, but um, <laughs> yeah. That's what it was. Yep. That, you know, and, and I'm watching the match, and he's just, you know, beating um, Jerry. And I'm like, man, you know, this is going to be a one-sided match. I'm like, what's going on? So I'm liking what I'm what I'm watching. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, Jerry gets a little cheap shot, has something in, in his trunks, and, and hits him with it. And I'm like, why why are you hiding whatever, you, whatever foreign object you have? It's a no-DQ match. So I, I paused it, and so I started reading a little bit of the history behind it, and every article that I read talked about how this destroyed the territory. So it starts talking about, you know, how one promoter in, in Gagne? Gagne, yeah. Vern Gagne. Gets the other ones together, says, hey, let's do this. One guy pretty much broke down every single match and said, hey, you know, how they were bad how Gagne's son beats Garvin and didn't make any sense and everything he said. And, and I'm like, dude, I'm like, whoa, you know, you obviously hate this company. So I, I jumped to another website and they all had the same thing. So I, so I, I played the, the, the fight again. And I have remembered that before I watched the match, they talked about Manny Fernandez, who one of my favorite all-time villains in, in the world of wrestling, the Raging Bull Manny Fernandez versus... Chief Wahoo McDaniels of all of, of all folks, and I remember them saying, because of all the blood loss, we need to be more stringent. I've, and I've told the refs to stop the matches if it gets too bloody. So I'm, I'm not, I, I didn't fall on that until I keep watching the match. And since the beginning, here we have Von Eric with a cut in his in his bicep area. Then he's bleeding like a maniac, and I see the ref continuously checking on him, checking on him. A good old-fashioned power driver from his part, uh, from Jerry the King Lawyer, a massive power driver from Von Eric. And I'm like, you know what? This match ain't that bad. I'm like, why are people complaining about it? And then it stops because of too much blood. Granted, holy Lord, I've never seen a crimson mask like that. He was intensely bleeding. Uh-huh. But it just it just took me out of, you know, out of, I was surprised. I'm like, he doesn't look dizzy. He's not he's not setting like I'm hurt. He's actually got the the famous claw, not only on the abdomen area but in the head. Jerry's passing out, and then match ends. And I was like, "What in the world?" You can hear the crowd saying, chanting bullshit. Then the the post match fight um interview, obviously, um, Von Erich's not happy. I think he took both belts with him. So I looked up some more history. I actually see a, a shoot interview with Manny Fernandez. And then he explains how they were so adamant in the back because they could not decide who was going to lose the belt. And at the end, nobody was going to lose the belt. He explains how Von Erich had a blade, cuts himself before he even gets to the ring. They, can't, they couldn't fix him up. That's why he was bleeding immediately from the arm. He explains how he and Chief Wahoo McDaniel threw a fit in the back, talking about why are you guys doing this, like, why tonight? 
and then everything just pretty much you know added together and i'm like wow and then i and then i read an article that said from this point on nobody trusted ganya because even after the everything was said and done he blamed the other promotions for the lack of uh, fans coming out i guess a 10,000 person venue or 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 see the venue they only have 1500 people show up so he only paid some of his guys did not pay Jerry Lawler who was his his champion Jerry Lawler holds up the, the the title hostage and I'm like wow a really good match up to the ending but the fallout dear lord what what a sad way to go for a company that was known for for its history but that's what happens when the owner is champion for one company and then the other one has his kid as a champion and it just it just didn't work out at the end but up to that point i thought the match was pretty was pretty interesting it wasn't the greatest match but it it, it wasn't bad I, I think i wrote a few things discus punch was way overdone but an eric impressive physique uh pretty wicked power drivers from both gentlemen Horrible acting from the ref. And it was funny seeing people uh, trying to hide foreign objects in an ODQ match. And at the end, just, it was just the ending was bad. And once I found out why, I was like, man, it's, it's pretty sad. Because they were, like you said, they were, they were making history. But some, something happened. I don't know what happened. And there was a gentleman. I, I don't know why I wrote this. I, I, I wrote, if Stanley and Albert Einstein had sex, this guy is, is the product. I think it was the, one of the commentators. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's why I wrote that. But the match was pretty interesting. It's just sad once you learn the history, what happened before, during, and afterwards. You're like, wow, you know, you guys, they were trying to compete with, with a company that they obviously saw was in the up and up that was taking all of their main players. I guess the... The Rockers and other ones had left the company, so they were just trying to survive and and beat them. But like most companies that have gone against the UFC, they they, they folded at the end. But sad sad to see the end of it. Sorry, I didn't even take take too much time. Oh no, that's fine. Um, good stuff in general. I just there there's not a whole lot else to talk about the match. I was gonna cover some of the psychology. Um that I really enjoyed in, in this match. And one was if you're, if you're saying that Von Eric's arm was all cut up prior to coming to the ring. Um, and I think it makes perfect sense that what they did, um, with that initial move that, that Lawler did to put that arm down over the ropes, because, um, you know, th- those ropes are, are tough and they're hard. And I initially was like, wow, he really cut his arm open on that rope for a second. Cause you know, I didn't know any better. Um, and I thought maybe he just he hit that move stiff or, you know, really so did, did bring I. his arm down on top of it and it cut him open a little bit. Um, so from a psychology perspective, I thought it I thought it made a lot of sense. It w- a few a few things, though. So the whole the way the match went by is it was a classic um, kind of, uh, I guess, almost like a chicken shit heel versus like a huge baby face in, in, in the way that this was built in the face. Gets the advantage early, and then eventually, because of miscues, you know, the heel's going to take over in the match. And um, I think the use of a foreign object that he had in his tights, I think part of it was 
Lawler still wanted to legitimize his his victory in this one. And so if he didn't openly use a foreign object, like uh, right in front of the referee, basically, that, uh, or at least this is the logic I'm trying to use, that he could go on the microphone and say that he beat him clean, you know, with no controversy or whatever, because the, they would, he would leave out the fact that he used the foreign object to beat him. Um, man, and I hate to say this, but the, the claw looks so bad on the stomach in this particular match. Like, uh, when he, when he has that, when he has that claw into to Jerry Lawler's stomach, um, I guess maybe it's just me having trained in, in amateur wrestling. Like, you just, you just gotta turn over, man. Like you just gotta turn, and you're it, it. so the one on the the skull always. I mean that can make sense because you got a big hand. You push on either temple, and you can put a guy out pretty you know pretty quickly. But on the stomach, the stomach claw just didn't. It, that doesn't do it for me. It just didn't make a lot of sense from a move perspective. Um, but otherwise. Uh, I obviously enjoyed the the intensity of the matchup. The crowd was obviously into it. Um, everything that that was going on, I think that to see two guys with such a contrasting style, but still be able to get out there and really perform was great. So overall, great match. Sad to hear about the you know the, the story wise the ending of it because I know similar things were prominent in the um, NWA also. That's why. You know, they ended up having a lot of issues with people that work in that territory too, because of the way that they they had to book certain things. But um, all right, uh, Houkster, why don't you give us your thoughts and and this match and kind of how you feel about it since uh you you wanted to share it. Yeah, well, I'll be honest, Cedric. Cedric said a lot of what I was uh, planning on saying. I'm glad you said it because it saves me from from winding myself, you know, but, uh, yeah, as far as the ring psychology, even the commentating, they did so such mm-hmm. a good job throughout this match, uh, of really telling the story, uh, that to me, it was super, super entertaining. And yeah, I didn't learn, like I've seen this match a couple times on the network just because I'm a big Von Eric fan. Um, but as far as the, the real backstory of it, until I started just actually diving in just to, just because and learning more about just the fall of the territories in general, did I really learn about it? And then going back, watching it after learning some of the, the backstage info, it really changed the way I saw the match. Um, but yeah, Von Eric had a razor taped, uh, taped between his fingers and uh, yeah, on his match, he somehow ended up cutting his arm. Um, but yeah, the way they sold it with the turnbuckle, even the commentators are selling it, uh, that it just, everything made sense. And even when the referee gets knocked out and carries Von Erichs holding Jerry down in the pin, and he's got him down there for like a 12 count before the referee finally gets up, like everything made sense. And then at the very end, sure, they already talked about the blood and if there's too much blood, he's going to stop the match. But when you've got the claw sink in and Jerry's passing out, and all the ref can do is look at your face, not even look at the other guy being pinned. Like, to me, that was just, like, total crap. And I, I was just so pissed off. Uh, and, like I said, it was a great match. Just, it goes to show what booking can do to ruin to ruin a main event. And, uh, yeah, you know, some people just can't let their egos go, I guess. And nothing against Jerry Lawler or 
Kerry Von Erich, uh, or even against Vern Gagne, because the man is a legend in his own right. It's just the way they went about this event. It was just it's saddening to see to see it fall the way it did. It's it's just funny to have all those promoters finally agree on something to get together, but then they couldn't agree which one of their talent was the one to lose. Everybody wanted to win. And even at the end, Manny Fernandez was saying, like, Manny Fernandez says that his fight with, with versus Chief Wahoo was so intense and violent was because they were so mad at what was going on in the locker room that they just decided, F it, we're going to put on a good show. And Fernandez says, I didn't realize how pissed off Chief Wahoo was until he hit me with the with the strap. As far as he did. He's like, damn, this guy's really mad. And I guess he told him, like, is that all you got? So he hit him even harder. But it's sad. You know, all they had to do was just come together and just decide. And a, a rematch could have been done eventually again and put up even a bigger a bigger show. But I guess, like you said, the Eagles were too big. Then they thought this was this would be the best outcome for both sides. But it's funny because they still named Jerry the King Lawless champions of both companies. Yeah, That's no. the part that I didn't understand. That That kind of threw me off. I'm like, it's really no no winner. You stopped it because of all the blood, but then you announced he cannot continue fighting. Therefore, and I'm like, wait a minute, he had the claw on. He, it wasn't like he was selling it. If he would have been selling it, like I'm I'm getting dizzy, I'm about to pass out. Then okay, because he cannot continue. But you just stopped it out of the blue. See, and like I, you've always you guys have always told me the claw was the claw. Yeah. See, I think I think that success would have healed all wounds if. If they had packed a 10,000-person stadium or arena or whatever, um, I think that the booking, they wouldn't, nobody would have cared that much about how it was booked. Because what, like once you have a full house and everybody's getting paid, all's good. When you book a 10,000-person arena and 1,500 people show up and you're not getting compensated for what you put on, then you have to compare as companies. Like who has the biggest company? Who has the most legitimate? Who has the most to lose? And if Vern Gagne thought that he was the one that had the most, then you better bet my wrestlers are winning if I'm the one that's that's going to have to put out the most amount of money because of this show. So it's it's politics and it's it, it's sad. But had that been a more successful event, and who knows, maybe it wasn't promoted properly. Maybe they charged too much for tickets. Maybe they did it on a day that somebody else was doing an event or maybe their products just weren't mm-hmm. that great. Um, whatever it might have been at the time um, – if if they had been successful, I I I think that it would have been just a completely different, um, would have been a completely different uh, event. But, yeah. All right. All right. So, um, we have one last thing to cover tonight, then, and that is who will advance in the next round of our fantasy booking for the United States Championship. And today we have a real treat. As we have Wahoo McDaniel, Chief Wahoo, we were just talking about a second ago, um, and his run, which went from, was it 84 to 85? Mm-hmm. Yes, Somewhere sir. There's there. a, okay. I want to say August of 84 until, uh, oh, geez, I want to say March October, or April. October 7th, 1984 through March 23rd, 1985. There we go, yeah. All right, cool. And then October to March, yeah. We're putting Wahoo at that time versus John Cena and his run that he had back in 2015 with the United States Championship. That is our matchup today. So 
going into this, first impressions of, of both of these guys, um, Cedric, what did you th- what did you know about Wahoo McDaniel going into this um, before you you watched anything? Okay, I'll, I'll try to make it quick, guys. Um, fifth rank for Chief Wahoo McDaniel, like you guys already said, 167 days. Uh, I heard the name, really had not watched much about him. Uh, speaking with Hawk Standing, he did mention that there was a heel turn. I ended up finding out that during this time frame, is when the heel turn occurred. Hadn't really much, mo- had not watched probably anything of him, or at least that I recall. Today, searching YouTube, I did find a, a match they had in Puerto Rico. So I probably did watch it while watching on WWC or Wrestling Console. So I might have watched him, but I couldn't remember. And things that I that stood out for me was he beat Manny Fernandez, which is an amazing wrestler in his, in his own right, to win the title. And then he lost it to Magnum TA in a steel cage match. Fought Billy Graham, Superstar Billy Graham, Jimmy Valiant, Buzz Tyler, Randy Tyler, and a few others during that, that reign. So obviously the guy was a who's who. Um, very well known, very well respected, not only because of his Native American heritage, which I, for the first time ever hearing somebody say Indian and during the commenting, I was like, whoa, how times have changed. He even, made, he even made a mention of Ric Flair having a blonde hair, how that was different. Times have changed, obviously. But not only about his Native American heritage and how he represented it, but also his background in, in football. I didn't know I did not know that. And in this day and age, somebody like him will be considered unathletic because of his build. And yet the man had a pretty athletic um, background. And the matches that I saw are very straightforward as a, as a face, very technical, very basic, strong moves for that time. As a heel, holy Lord, very sneaky, but yet still has some basic power moves. And him against Ric Flair, who had the worst ch- chop, I think Chief Wahoo beat him. And oh, that's dude. crazy for me yeah, to say, but oh my close. gosh, what a chop that man had when he was chopping the, the echo, the sound. Ric Flair's made one sound, but Chiefs was just like the holy Lord echoing through the whole place and the reaction of the folks when he did it. And what a wicked finishing move, that elbow to the forehead. Crazy move. I've never seen that before, and I was like, that was believable. Very, very happy to, to have seen fights of Chief Wahoo McDaniels today. I was very, very happy. All right. Hulkster, obviously we've all seen John Cena, so we don't need to cover too much too much time on him. But what were your thoughts of, of Wahoo McDaniel? All right. Well, going in, there was three things I knew about Wahoo McDaniel. And uh, Cedric, you touched on it already. But uh, fans forever and always will woo after a chop is delivered. Mm-hmm. But, oh, my gosh, the tomahawk chop from Wahoo McDaniel, he finished, guys with a chop to the chest it like that that's unheard of like a chop to the chest and he would take people out people like billy super superstar billy graham defeated by a chop to the chest like people go woo after rick flair after a tomahawk chop people go ah it's it's ridiculous is that a war cry second thing pretty much i think it's a it's (laughs) a cry of pain like an indian agony (laughs) <laughs> well you can say those it's okay <laughs> yeah but uh second thing 
strap matches. Like strap matches are are a rarity to find good, really entertaining strap matches. Wahoo McDaniel was pretty much famous for some of his strap matches. Oh my gosh, freaking uh, Tully Blanchard. Oh man. Uh, in the third thing, yeah, you already mentioned it uh he was a pro football player linebacker for the houston oilers denver broncos i think a couple other teams but uh during his off season while he was with the houston oilers he would train to be a wrestler while being paid by the american football league at the time during 1966 he was training to become a wrestler in his off time like how how much devotion to the business do you have when you're already getting paid good enough by the football league to to want to be a wrestler like to me that's awesome and then as far as uh what you saw in the uh in in the matches after the fact were there any other surprises i think the most surprising thing to me and uh really like once you know his his history as a as a linebacker in the in football like it, it makes sense but what really stood out surprisingly enough to me was his ability on the mat i mean sure he had that devastating chop and he had good size and strength to lift people up and slam them but oh my gosh wahoo mcdaniel had some great just raw technical mat wrestling skills and that that to me blew my mind because he's he's not a big physique guy you know he's 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 a little rounded but man like when you think about guys like bam bam bigelow who were big guys but still agile for this time, you know, 60s, 70s, and going into the mid-80s, the guy was extremely agile for his size, and that, that to me is what really blew me away by watching some of his matches. I think, I think for me, um, so obviously growing growing up with, as a as a Native American, like pro wrestling is something that you've always had a uh, kind of a, a look into. Which you had Chief J Strongbow, you had uh, Young. Uh, Wahoo McDaniel, and then of course when I was a kid you had Tatanka, so you you always had that uh you always had that Native American figure in in wrestling um you had uh, the Young Bloods you had there, there numerous others but what I remember uh people would always make fun of of, of Wahoo McDaniel like when I was a kid because the way he looked like he had that just the huge crooked nose and he had the just the real big belly and I think. Part of that is is the only memories I had of Wahoo McDaniel were when, like, he was at the end of his career, um, and so I I didn't really get to see anything of him when he was in his prime. And even this, for what we were studying in his his late 80s run, is toward the end of, of his career. I mean, he'd been wrestling probably 15 years at this point, so I mean, he wasn't exactly like in his in, in his prime uh, in, anymore for the, this particular title run that we're watching. Um, Nobody threw a better chop than than Wahoo McDaniel. Um, I don't think that there's fact. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody on the planet uh, planet Earth that could throw a chop like Wahoo. I mean, you, Big Show could hit you with that that frying pan chop he does. I don't think he gets the same intensity that that Wahoo McDaniel could get on a single one of those tomahawk chops. Um, you're talking about a guy. So at this point in his career, he'd beaten Ric Flair um, several times. He he'd beaten a who's who of I know they were going through the list when he was wrestling uh, Magnum TA and uh, it was you know it was impressive um, and so he'll always be he'll always be a legend in in, in my book when it comes to this and uh, a sneaky a sneaky athlete too 
um, and uh, obviously extraordinarily brutal during during this heel time of, of, of his run. I mean, he beat superstar Billy Graham in what like four minutes. Um, yep, yep. On Starcade '84, so just kind of a just kind of crazy to to think about the the guy who basically Hulk Hogan took his gimmick from. Um, he beat in about four minutes. So, uh, a couple interesting facts. All right. 23-inch pythons. Yeah. Hulk Hogan, the 24-inch pythons. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, just just a little bit better. Um, the bigger is better, right? Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, I always say it's how you use it. But So, if you go back to uh, go back to Cedric, if he was to square off against John Cena from, from 2015, interestingly enough, both guys – probably in in around the same amount of time in the wrestling ring with one another. Um, who would you say wins and why? How do you see the match going and who wins? Well, before, before watching the videos, I, I had one thought process, and after watching the fights, I had a whole different thought process. I think that if being that Chief was heel at the time, I would see him using those chops. I would see him using a little bit of that mat, basic mat wrestling that he had, just basic moves but solid moves because that's that's pretty much the way it went when he fought against Magnum TA. He did a lot of his his chops, his his more power moves for a man his size, 5'11", 2 plus. You know, he, he had those power moves, and I, and I could see him just trying that on, on John Cena just trying to tire him out, wear him out, a few dirty moves here and there if need be, maybe a low blow, something to cut, anything to debilitate and pretty much weaken Cena. This is the part that kind of broke my heart after watching all the videos. When you when I when I went through all the months that he was a champ, he either lost by DQ, which brings the fact that he was a heel, a lot of his opponents were winning by DQ because of this. He was either or beat, fair and square, t- um, countouts or time limit had run out, and he had a few good victories, especially well, against Manny Fernandez, had a few against Billy Graham before losing to Magnum TA. Cena, on the other hand, during his run, the man was pretty much unbeatable. I think he had one clean loss against KO. And I think he had a few where the opponent won by DQ. They didn't really look at the matches, didn't win, and find out why he got disqualified and the opponent won. So I thought about that. And then once I watched the Magnum TA match, a younger, faster, kind of sort of stronger guy. And like you said, this was not his peak. The uh, Chief had started like in 1967 when he debuted, or 64. So being more towards the end, of his of his cycle life cycle if you will in the wrestling ring i thought to myself who better than mr john cena super cena to at some point eventually find the energy and the burst that he always gets the same one that he had when he beat rusev for the title and beat him a few other times afterwards i unfortunately as much as I like Chief, I ended up thinking, you know what? Era for era, I think that Chief will definitely put up a really good fight. But I think the man that dethroned Rusev 
beat Ambrose, Stardust, Van News Barrett, Kane, Sami Zayn, Ryder, Cesaro, KO, Rollins through the, his time as champ and cage matches, street matches, um, chain matches, strap matches, whatever. I think Cena would once again come up with an attitude adjustment and win. But definitely, in my opinion, it will not be an easy match for him. That definitely will not be an easy match. He will come out with a pretty red chest. Maybe his forehead smashed in with that elbow, but I think at the end, his youth and strength will probably out, out do for this one match, Chief. But definitely in a series of matches, don't don't get me started. But yeah, don't, don't for sleep one, on Chief. But yeah, one I match guess. only. I think Cena would would take it. All right, um, Alexander, who do you got? You know, this is this is actually a lot tougher. Once once I really started diving into the tape, th- this match got tougher and tougher for me. But uh, but ultimately, with when you're going specifically this title run versus John Cena's 2015 title run, it it's hard pressed not to say that John Cena's open challenge may have been the best thing to happen to the United States Championship, especially in a time where we went almost 10, 15 years, pretty much since since the United States Championship went to WWE. This is probably the best title run I think we've seen. And, uh, I mean, heck, even Rusev's right before it did a lot to raise the prestige. But but what John Cena did with his open challenges. Like it, it really raised the bar on what a United States Championship match should look like, and uh, as you said, it like Wahoo McDaniel, he he had been in like 15, 20 plus years almost by the time that this uh, that that his title run made play or made happened, and uh, another thing I noticed during this title reign by doing some footage is that some of the matches that Wahoo took as champion, I'm not gonna say they were squash matches. But uh, he definitely had matches against much lesser opponents. Uh, case in point, his match with uh, with Sam Houston. Uh, Sam Houston, you know, decent wrestler, but nowhere to the level of what Wahoo McDaniel went through. And uh, leading up to the Magnum TA match, you could hear Magnum TA saying, quit ducking me, give me this match. And when they finally had the match inside the steel cage, Magnum TA beat him with the power slam. Granted, it was a very hard fought in very toughly contested match. Uh, but that big match that he finally got, you know, Wahoo McDaniel ended up falling. And uh, as we all know, there's arguably no one better than big match John himself. Uh, and if anyone's going to stand up to multiple tomahawk chops, Cena might be that guy. And uh, if this was... 75 or 77 Wahoo McDaniel versus John Cena in 2015, I would definitely give it to Wahoo. But at this stage in his career, and specifically for this title run, even though it was his longest, I, I got to give it to John as well. All right. So here's Wahoo McDaniel steps in the ring. John Cena gets in there. Wahoo McDaniel has a tomahawk chop. John Cena taps out. That's how it ends. No. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I would love, I would love to see Cena sell <laughs> one chop and then just get knocked out and not kick out after two. That 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 would be a sight to see. Hey, he's just Kevin Nash. His quad would just explode. Yeah, right. <laughs> his quad. He, he, 
Wahoo would have somehow managed to, to give him a tomahawk chop and the quad, he'd end it all. But uh, anyway, so, man, it, this is a tough one because I I got to see some some Wahoo McDaniel stuff from the mid-70s. And the stuff he had from the mid-70s versus the stuff that he had here close to the mid-80s, completely different. Um, I'll say this, that uh, it, if you're comparing these two, these title runs, I, I'm not going to say it, it's a squash because I don't believe that. I think Wilhelm McDaniel's a tough enough, smart enough guy that he's not going to let John Cena just run over him um, throughout this match. But if you think about that, and I, I have to go back to that loss to Magnum TA, if you think about it, at that time, Magnum TA was the best athlete, one of the best athletes in in that company. Um, yep. From a speed, strength, agility standpoint, and all that. And honestly, I don't think he's as good an athlete as John Cena is, um, even during this this title run in 2015. So, from a strength perspective, Cena's faster, stronger, um, all those things compared to Magnum TA, and he sort of overwhelmed. Um, Wahoo in, in that match. Now, the the only thing that, that Wahoo could potentially have is if it got into a, just a complete dogfight because there's one thing Yahoo, or Yahoo, Wahoo could do is go <laughs> go an hour nonstop. I mean, the guy, the, I, I don't oh, even yeah. see the guy, don't even see the guy breathe hard, even in the, even in close to the mid 80s. Um, you, you never see the guy breathing heavy. So I think from a, from a cardio perspective, that's the one advantage you would have. But um, unfortunately, I think that that John's just just too much for him, um, and he's probably not going to know what the hell's going on when he picks him up on his shoulders and, and drops him on his head. I mean, he's used to like getting finished with a belly to belly. The damn AA might kill him. Um, but uh, yeah, also, uh, and and we'll notice this as we go later into the ranks. I mean, John Cena's run that he had with with the US title in 2015 because of the importance of what it was for that for that particular title um it's going to be interesting but so far of of the title title reigns that we've seen even some of these longer ones there hasn't been as impressive of a just the just what someone did with a title not necessarily their in-ring performance but what they did to elevate the championship um and then they just had Callisto carry it for a while and then but for one day, <laughs> yeah. But uh, get me wrong. That, that U.S. title back in the day was so prestigious that a company decided to go away with the world title, and the and the U.S. title was the heavyweight title. Mm-hmm. That's how prestigious that title is. That's why Kalisto having it when he had it. Holy Lord, you know, freaking spit on everybody's grave that ever wore that title. And but I'm I get. Th- I was I was gonna say I think that I think that it's it's gonna be interesting as as we go into the these other rounds and we actually start having stipulations in the um in the next few rounds after this because uh it just in a straight up match I think that this is this is one where John would have had an advantage but if we would have had something like a strap match that you mentioned earlier well, that changes um, everything it would change completely change the way this match would have went so. You know, as after this initial round when everybody just sort of wrestles to get in, I'm gonna be we're gonna be doing a, a random wheel of doom for uh, for what the stipulation is gonna be going into that week. So it should be a it should be a lot of fun, um, just progressing and and not looking at just standard matches throughout this whole tournament because the the winner's gonna have to have won in a variety of different matches. Um, doing a Steamboat Flare Braun Panties Bruce. match, right? I mean, whatever. 
Rusev's Cena strap match was nothing compared to the Manny Fernandez Wahoo McDaniels strap match. Oh yeah, and those, I mean, those two were just bloodied up like like nothing seen before. People, even Manny Fernandez though at the time was having goosebumps as he talked about it. Yeah, you're talking about that uh, Super Clash match, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they were like they were like this is ridiculous. Like, and that was all them. That was just them two talking. Hey, you know, we don't like what's going on here, so let's let's you know get the the crowd happy and let's do what we do best. And if if one thing Manny Fernandez did, if freaking Manny Fernandez knew how to bleed and make his opponents bleed, because holy lord, that guy was you don't they don't call you the raging bull for nothing. All right. Well, um, it might it might have seemed simpler this week, but uh, it was still a lot of fun going back and watching some some of this older stuff. And uh, just a, a sneaky peek here for next week um, should be an, an interesting uh, couple of couple of title runs here because I hadn't seen a lot of older Sergeant Slaughter stuff. I only remember his really early '90s stuff, and I know he was a lot older then. But we're gonna have Sergeant Slaughter versus Stunning. Steve Austin um, and his WCW uh, United States Championship run. Uh, Ooh, this so will be interesting. <laughs> should be should, should be an interesting matchup with uh, these two going at it, and uh, face versus heel should be a, should be a pretty classic matchup here. So, um, you guys got anything else before we we check out for the week? Now, I just want to shout out again to the guys over at uh, W2M net.com uh we're writing articles for them uh, they're being posted just about every week now so in addition to our podcast you can also pick our brains on uh on some written work as well and uh definite big shout out to those guys for letting us join the network yeah obviously uh you know we're w2m production they they're letting us get out there on the on, on the website and do our thing not only with the podcast like you guys said also uh um Believe it or not, uh, if if you're a football fan, you can go on there. They they do football stuff. They do video games. They're you know they're they're trying to get expand into um, any any form of entertainment. But their their primary love is is for wrestling. So check out the the website though. I'm sure you'll find something that you uh, that you'll like. Um, Cedric, you got anything else for us before we get out of here? No man, I'm good. Alrighty, well. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Like always, we're looking for feedback. We're looking for potential topics. We just want to talk about wrestling. So if there's anything that, that's on your mind or something you want to know for us that we can cover on a show for you, um, we we really look forward to it. And until next time, Jobber's Court is adjourned. Thank you. The following podcast is a W2M Network partnership production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.